Hello, it's Farley, and welcome to Don't Kill Yourself Today podcast. This is number three, and it's getting better all the time. Today we have Annie Hardy, a good friend. She has a kick-ass band called Giant Drag and a wonderful podcast called Empath Least Resistance. Hope you enjoy it. Take care of yourself and take care of others. Here we are. Here we are. are. Um, Hey, this is Farley, and we have a very, very special guest today, Annie. How are you? I'm doing great. It's it's. I feel like I haven't seen you in a hundred years. I know it's been, <laughs> it's been a mere Annie Hardy five seconds, but yeah, it's been like a minute. So where are you from? I'm from Orange County, California, South Orange County to be exact, which is like San Clemente. I actually grew up at all between San Clemente and Irvine, but mostly in San Clemente. And yeah, that's not that. I imagine it would have been the case anywhere I was, but I really felt like a, a really weird alien type person. And yeah, I kind of grew up to find out, oh, you know what? I kind of am an alien type person because do you know what your blood type is, Farley? I don't know. Nobody knows their blood type. It must be some sort of conspiracy. Yeah, so I grew up as like the weird girl. I was just, I just saw my parents, both of them yesterday. And they were, you know, talking to my friend about me as a kid. And they both said, like, you know, Annie really marched to the beat of her own drummer. And eh, little did they know I would grow up to date so many drummers. I Maybe that had something to do with it. But, um, yeah, I just stuck out. I wasn't normal. And I'm still not. And back then, you know, now this this whole thing of, like, People want to be weird. They think there's that it's cool now. But back then, it was just like, you want to blend in, you know, in high school and shit. Like, you want to be like everyone else. Nobody noticed the weird shit about you. But I don't know if I'm autistic or what the fuck's going on. But something's off and different, you know? So uh, how did you get introduced to music? How did that become a part of your life? Music was always, like, my parents listened to music, uh, so, and they had pretty decent taste. My dad liked, you know, Guns N' Roses and uh, Queen and the Beat, both my parents liked the Beatles and Neil Young and shit like that, and uh, so I always loved it, but when I was in fifth grade, my mom, who is a playwright, was doing this play of hers, and one of the guys in the play had his guitar, and he was playing that, um, Pearl Jam song, Black. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar. And I was like, fuck, man, that's fucking cool that that guy can fucking play this song. Like, I want to do that. And so a couple of years later, uh, once I was sent off to boarding school in Ojai, uh, college prep, not torturous, um, like, punishment school, I had nothing to do up there. And I was like, eh, I guess it's time to get around and figuring out this guitar thing. And then... I had a friend at the school who uh, her dad was teaching her to play guitar and we both were like figuring shit out together and we learned how to play like Fire and Rain and like some Beatles songs and shit like that and then almost immediately I started writing my own songs and I was like, ah, this is what, this is the shit, you know, and right away I got that response from like other people who were like, Oh, play us the like Yoda song. I think <laughs> my first song was like, people say I look like Yoda. Yeah. You know, because people were telling me I looked like Yoda back then because I was on, in some school play and I had to 
play the old woman or something. I don't remember what was going on, but, you know, people always really had positive reaction to these songs that I would write. And so I just kept doing that until I got a record deal at Interscope many years later. Not that many, but, like, I always just knew. I was like, this is what I'm put here to do. Like, you motherfuckers better not make me go to college and take some decrepit math class right now. You know, I know I'm going to be a musician. I know I'm going to be successful. And I was. D- were you were you a good student? Did you enjoy school? Or were you one someone who avoided it or cut class kind of? Well, it depended the year and who I was living with. You know, I went to four different high schools in, in under four years. And uh, I went to the boarding school, Irvine. You know, and in boarding school, you can't really skip school. But in the other schools, the first semester, I would be on the honor roll, the principal's honor roll, superintendents, whatever. And then by second semester, I would have made friends at the new school, and then I would almost not graduate. Mm -hmm. So, like, like I think my senior year, on first semester, I was superintendent's honor roll. And second semester, I think I was strung out on heroin and almost not passing my weightlifting class and failing out of high school. <laughs> so d- did you finish high school? I did. I walked. I did the graduation, the whole nine yards. I even went to some community college where I had to go to receive my inheritance of, like, $2,000 from my dead grandma. And so to, you know, make it easier on myself, I took mostly like elective music classes and uh, like popular singing. That wasn't hard, you know. And uh, yeah, it was mostly a waste of time like colleges for most people. But I still have fun. I met a good friend of mine, Kate Earle, who ended up, we both got record deals. We were the only talented people in the Pasadena City College uh popular singing class although shout out to the guy who would play the bongos and accompany <laughs> himself and he'd be like and i feel it. <laughs> that song on bongos nothing but bongos it was tight it's <laughs> like this is fuck this guy's done too much math and so from there uh you moved to was it uh was it Echo Park or? Yeah. Well, first I I moved from Orange County to Studio City where my mom was already posted up. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed with my mom for from 18, 19, 20. Or wait, is this how it happened? Maybe I moved in with a boyfriend. That might have been what happened with this guy, Mike, that I was dating when I was like 18 or 19. And then, yeah, lived with him, lived with my mom, lived in my ex-boyfriend slash friend Joe's parents tool shed in their backyard you know and then I lived with Mike Morin who you know and I lived in a closet under the stairs uh, in this big house in Koreatown uh, this big orange house and he lived upstairs and this guy I called Jeff Dumb and Blind, which is really a mean nickname, but this guy's name was Jeff and he was really hard of hearing and he couldn't see very well either. And then uh, this other guy named Jeff from the Meishi lived upstairs and I think I paid 200 bucks a month to live in the closet under the stairs. And I was like, this is where I'm going to live and I'm going to do what it takes and I'm going to get my fucking my music career on and get my record deal and then I'll be done here. And within months that happened. And then I moved in with Jonah Ray, world famous comedian 
lived on his couch for free in exchange for being his personal chef and cleaning the house, neither of which I did that great of a job at, but it was that was one of the best times of my life, probably. And from there, you met the drummer and... and things started to just fall into place where you... Yeah, Micah actually used to work with my mom uh-huh. at uh, her work where she worked for Melanie Griffith and Antonio Banderas for whatever the fuck they were doing. And my mom would always try to get me to meet this guy. Like, oh, you got to meet this guy. He's in a band. And I was like, I don't give a shit and I'm not going to meet him. And then I ended up meeting him anyway because his best friend was dating my best friend. His friend Doug Jones dating my friend Georgia Hardstark, who's now got her own very famous uh, murder, my favorite murder podcast. And um, yeah, so they were banging and I was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And then we became fast friends. We started recording together. Somebody asked us to play a show, which led to the other one, which led to a residency at Silver Lake Lounge, then Spaceland, rest in peace, a.k.a. the satellite. It's just shutting down, it sounds like. Thanks, Kovic. <laughs> um, yeah, and then by the time we were like, uh, by the time we had our Spaceland residency, we were being played on Indy 103, the radio station that came and changed everything. You know, they were like, because we were too mainstream for indie radio, we were too indie for mainstream radio. Mm-hmm. And Indy 103 was smack dab in the middle and gave a it created a space for bands like Giant Drag and like She Wants Revenge, Rest in Peace. They just broke up the band this week. Thanks a lot, Me Too, Cancel Culture. And other bands, uh, similar bands back in the day. And it was great. And then it ended. And the day that I, I remember they were making the announcements, like Indies going off the air, I was like, oh my God, my career's over. Like, that's it. Goodbye. So in that time, was it, were you just, were you just riding on that being in a band and being the happiness of just no. that, that high you have? Or were you like, were I was you... miserable. <laughs> I was the most malcontent little narcissistic cunt when I had it all and I was on top of the world. All I wanted to do was be at home, taking pills, watching reruns of Beverly Hills 90210. I'll tell you a, a, a great example of the best day of my life up until then. And keep in mind, this is the year I played Reading and Leeds Festival. I was voted by Enemy Magazine, the f- number 50th coolest person in the world, you know, on their yearly list of coolest people in the world. I was voted also Enemy Magazine's hottest girl in music. I don't even know if I knew that happened. But the best day of my life was the day I fell asleep, I caught a nice nod, um, to while an episode of 90210 was playing, which there were six a day on the soap network. So, but that was my favorite time of the day is when I could watch one of the six episodes. Maybe there was only three, I'm not sure. But I fell asleep and I'm transported into the, an episode of 90210. And I'm in this wheelbarrow with my leg kicked out over the side and they're having the conversation that they're having in the episode. Nobody talks to me. But they look at me in the eye as if to say, we know that you're here. We're not talking to you, but we see you, and you're our friend. I woke up from that, and I go, oh, my God, this is the best day of my entire life. (laughs) 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 And that's how that went. I had a little fucked up, 
you know, mind. I was very negative. The band was called Giant Drag, not Giant Positive, you know, exclamation of some sort. Like, and I think a lot of people suffer from that today. A little, little bit of player haterism that's like running rampant along with the narcissist epidemic that's taking place. That's a real pandemic in my opinion. Don't get me started on this fake ass COVID shit. <laughs> <laughs> so so after after that uh you so you got dropped and mm -hmm. did you fall into a huge depression? Did you feel rejected by the world? Um no, not at first, no. I was going through a weird transformation. Let's see, I think I got dropped when I was like 29 and then my weird transformation started on my 30th birthday. I was hanging out with our friend Brendan Sexton III, and I had this wonderful, like, picture-perfect uh, birthday that he took me out, you know? And, um, and I never had a good birthday before. You know, I'd had 29 years of, like, subpar, disappointing, depressing birthdays. And so he takes me out, and, it, you know, he... It was like, this is so amazing that I can't even perceive it because it's outside of my spectrum of reality. And, you know, the next day, uh, I just started to burn my life down. I'm, I fired Micah. He had quit two times in the past. I could tell a third time was coming. I was like, I'm not going to let this asshole do this in three times. You know, I, I made my manager quit because she had to quit so she would forfeit the money. You know, I was in my narc place, as many people in their 20s are. Narcissist, I of course mean. And then I proceeded to burn my whole life down, uh, relapse, and leave town. Then I left town to go be with somebody I wasn't in love with, didn't even really like, you know, and I knew he didn't like me either. And I left for like two years. Uh, and he was a huge dark triad narcissist. And, and sometimes it takes someone who's a bigger narc than you to just like narc you off your pedestal, as it were. You know what I'm saying? You got out narked, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you got through that, and how did you get to the other side? Well, you know, it was really powerful, and I'm really grateful for this narc and all of them. I've had so many more since then. Um, you know, like, I remember, okay, so I was there for two years, and this guy was, like, gaslighting me, like, the, these bitches on this Me Too movement shit, like, I don't know if they know what gaslighting is sometimes. Like, you know, I was... Uh, made to be a hostage, almost like a Stockholm Syndrome type shit. And um, luckily, a friend of mine, Monica, came to hang out with me up there and provided the perspective to be like one day she's like, Does he think that anyone believes that? You know, because he would tell me some crazy ass shit and I would just believe him. My mind was completely controlled. And so, long story short, one day I left while he was asleep and I was driving home to my dad's house. I, I had been rendered homeless with him too, by the way. And I was like, why is, I'm not homeless. I have like at least two different homes I can stay at. And then I was like, I've lost everything. Like my friends, 
Like, even my mom's not talking to me. Like, I've lost everything. I started to weep in the car. And then I was like, I have nothing to lose. Like, I have no one to please because I'm such a people pleaser. And that's really what made me miserable for so long. Doing things that I thought people wanted me to do instead of doing the things I wanted to do. Mm. Making a martyr of myself and martyring my ability to um, be happy. You can't be happy living for other people and the approval of others. No. It's like the flip side of narcissism, you know, is that weird codependent people pleaser bullshit. And so I, I was crying, like I started crying of sadness, but then I was crying of like f this insane feeling of freedom I had never had in my life. Like I have nothing to lose, I've lost everything. I'm f and I started yelling out loud, I'm free, oh my God, I'm free. And I was like, and I had just gotten done with that guy I was dating telling me, you'll never know what it's like to be free. And I was like, well, actually, you'll never know what it's like to be free, bitch, because I'm free. Your mattress is free. <laughs> Fuck y'all. So from from there, uh, what happened? And, and where were you? Where, where, so you, when you Rancho left, Cucamonga. Rancho, Rancho Cucamonga. AKA <laughs> Hell on Earth. Well, I, I, I like that show, Workaholics. And every time I hear that name, I think of that show. Oh, right. I forget about that. <laughs> so... It was a long road to recovery from there, to be honest. Like, that was ground zero. And I had uh, picked up a little bit of a, a new drug habit that I never fucked with in the past. And this one rendered me completely crazed and so crazed that I didn't... I mean, I really was free. But it was more like in that movie, um, Girl Interrupted, where, like, Angelina Jolie's character is going, like, I'm free, I'm free. You're like, maybe she is free, like, uh, but maybe she's crazy because she's in the psycho bin, you know? So, you know, I don't know exactly how free I was at that moment, but I felt freedom. And then I felt this, like, complete loss of ego, like, mm -hmm ego that should have been there you know for my own good like the part of your ego that tells you uh, maybe wearing a tutu with a tool belt over it is not proper leaving the house attire and maybe you look like a crazed homeless person but I was so free and then I just started doing music all the time like just jamming which is its own thing I had been doing career music writing songs recording them blah 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 it felt like work and I made it work you know, I made it like, um, I made it a giant drag. And now I was, everything I was doing, I was doing because I chose to. And my, me and my life and everything started changing. And then um, me and Brendan started dating again. And like, there was this whole crazed thing with that. Like, you know, there's this uh, new age phenomenon called twin flames. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. It's crazy, but it was kind of the, like, it's the belief that, you know, before we incarnate into this planet, you know, a, a one soul will split apart and you get the divine feminine, masculine, you know, and, and then you meet and it's crazy spiritual experience and it's a catalyst for spiritual growth. And um, that's kind of like what happened between me and Brendan. And I started like blasting off on this whole crazy spiritual awakening which like uh, I learned about energy healing this girl 
did Reiki on me and I could like feel it. And she accidentally gave me a Reiki attunement where a Reiki master puts their energies in. And then I had the ability to do energy healing. And I was like walking around one day and I had this like level 10 UTI from someone like licking back to front or something on me. And I, was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh God, this is the worst UTI. And I remembered the the energy healing. And so I took my hand and I, you know, grabbed this invisible ethereal energy around the outside of my body. And I pulled it out and I threw it down to the, you know, trash. And in one fucking fluid movement, it was gone. Wow. Went from level 10 to nothing's there. And I was like, holy shit, this is real? Like, oh, dang it, no one ever told me this. And then that that was a theme for years. Like, oh my God, this is real? Whether it was like crazy spiritual shit that was cool like that, or not as cool, like demons and fucking Jesus and shit. I'm like, oh my God, this is real? Like, fuck, you know, this is not what I wanted. But... Yeah, I think a lot of people have the same awakening that goes narcissist, narcissistic abuse, narcissistic abuse recovery, if you look into the whole thing. It's a big thing on YouTube now. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, or just like New Age spirituality leading to born-again Christianity. Wah, wah, wah. I wish you had one of those buttons on here. Oh. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and the joke's on me. So, so do, it, was this when, were you going through a new age Christian part of your life or where were you? It was very new agey uh, at first, witchy and crystals. And I still have crystals and tarot cards and fucking witchcraft type, uh, you know, uh, crap like that. And I loved it and mm -hmm. I still love it. And I wish I could fuck with that stuff. But then, you know, along came Robert. Did you know Robert? Cadillac Ron also called. You know, I never met Robert. I think that's when, uh, you know, I had that bacterial infection and it took me, uh, man, it took me, I'm still recovering from it. And, uh, I was just, uh, I, I was going to doctors all the time and mm. trying to, you know, I was uh, trying to put myself back together basically. Right. And I think I stayed away from people because I felt I had a, a condition where, how can we say this in a very nice way? Uh, I went back to, I had to wear diapers cause I Fuck. couldn't, con I couldn't control my bowels. And that's why I got into dog walking because it's one, you know, uh, they got to poop, I got to poop and, mm -hmm. you know, and you don't really deal with the, the clients and right. they don't. <laughs> no. Do and you I, know how you got that? I do not know how I got this. Uh, Did you take a trip first? I, I don't. You know, it's one of those things. I became a workaholic mm. and I wasn't taking care of myself. And mm. I was just, I was, I think I was addicted to work because I, a little financial fear and just escapism escapism and and I was really good at it and yeah. I you know I didn't become a millionaire or anything but right. I was I was really I was doing very well and it, and even my boss said to me a great guy named Joe said to me look man I think you're gonna work yourself to death he's like right. you're a great but I would never I work six days a week and I would take my dog Olive to work with me mm. so my dog was never at home and I, I my life became my work and I didn't have anything outside of that because I wouldn't let anything it was just, I lived in like this kind of cocoon prison. So I, yeah, it was, 
it was, you know, I, and, and then I got the bacterial, uh, bacterial infection and things went kind of, uh, really south after that. And I met my girlfriend and she helped me get into the dog walking, uh, world. And what, what business were you doing before dog walking? I was working at a rehab. I was uh, a tech oh, God. and, and I was working six days a week and Fuck it was, it was that. great because I was actually helping people and it, it, it was amazing. And, and it wasn't just for addicts. I had people with depression, people with uh, oh, it sleep. It was a dual diagnosis everything. center. Yeah. It was everything. So I was learning. I was sitting there like I was learning about things and helping kids. And it was it was it was a great experience. However, I, I just it was like an addict. I did it too much. Right. Right. Yeah. Addicts can get addicted to anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm going to look up. So was, was it a bacterial, like, was it an autoimmune disorder? It, I, I think it was, a, it was, all I know is when I went into the hospital, uh, the Cedars, mm-hmm. uh, my, you ever, I don't know if you've ever been to the emergency room, but I walked yes. in there and I was in a bed in less than maybe five minutes. And ladies, like, you're dying. You're, my, everything, um, everything was shutting down. Oh my God. I, I weighed like 90 pounds. What the fuck? But I just thought because I was working so much and I was, at that time, I was smoking and I just thought that. You weren't secret tweaking? <laughs> no, I wasn't doing, I was just, uh, and, and so they basically had to basically reboot me. I mean, they literally yeah. had to put tubes down my, and the ladies grabbed me and said, you're dying. Holy shit. And and so I was in ICU, I think, for like two days. And they basically, I think of like a car. They got me running again. Right. They and did an extreme oil change and hard yeah, drive they, rebooting. They did like, and, and it really, that really changed me. And then when I came out, uh, there was other things I wanted, I was supposed to do. And I was, mm. I was in fear. Right. And so I didn't do them. And I Ooh. ended up dealing with the consequences where for nine months I was wearing a diaper and I, I couldn't control my bowels, so I didn't Dude, want to go out with crazy. people. And I, and I, I felt ashamed. I felt shame. Right. Fuck. That's crazy. But yeah. wait, there is there a name to it? This is. Uh, they said it was a bacterial infection that uh, they were afraid it was going to get into my blood. Like go t- toxic, like a shutdown from uh, what's it called? I, I all I remember is when uh, they had these tubes in me and they had like these two little trash can well I don't they're not trash can whatever and they would fill up with this gook and, uh, and, what? and and they were like sucking the stuff out of me and these two like big things of gook and then they would come and dump Goop, them I think I, I don't know what it was it was just like it was just this stuff and where was it coming from uh your nose yeah yeah and they had tubes so it was just it was like they were what the fuck, and it was like this black stuff. And finally, dude, that sounds like a demon. To me. <laughs> finally, <laughs> when they pulled out, they're like, "We got it all out." And what? Yeah, and I'll never forget when I came out of the hospital. I was so thin. I went to a meeting, and no one recognized me. Whoa. Only when I spoke, I was so. That's crazy. I, my pants didn't fit. I mean, I. I mean, I had to wear like double belt. <laughs> wow. And and uh, I looked in the mirror. I couldn't. It's like I I lost myself. Wow. Yeah, I lost myself too. I was also <laughs> very skinny. You know, I didn't have an infection per se, although I ended up getting quite a few of that UTI. <laughs> I had several teeth infections, but you know, it, uh, our body is a map 
of our consciousness, I have come to learn. And it's like our health problems begin in our mind and our decisions. And like it ends up getting physicalized into our physical body. So if you're going around thinking like, man, I would really like to reach for like this one thing in my life. But then your mind tells you like, yeah, but if you do that, you won't have enough money. You got to work this shit dump loser job and be a fucking idiot, you know, and you, and you keep yourself from reaching for what you want or taking steps towards that, you know, eventually because you're not reaching for what you want, you will lose, like something will happen to your right arm, which is your masculine side, your outbound energy. So like that's representative of reaching for what you want. Your right leg is representative for taking the steps towards what we want in life. And if we won't allow ourselves to do that, we'll end up having an accident, an illness or something. And we will have that leg or arm be immobilized. It's pretty common. You can, like, in any way it goes down, there's no such thing as an accident in life. There's no illness that just befalls us. It's always our bodies trying to get the attention of our consciousness to clear this stagnated energy that shouldn't be inside of us. And each and every different disease and illness has a different spiritual meaning behind it. So I, I, I've really, I think that's what got me through the whole rough period I was in was like I saw the spirit I started to see the spirit realm I started to search and seek answers because I realized nothing bad's ever happened to me everything's happened for me and you know God wants me to have this amazing life but you know sometimes you got to walk through the dark night of the soul to get there and like you know, I've not made any mistakes, even though it sure fucking feels like it in retrospect, thinking about it, like, that's the kind of shit that would get me down as a as a regular, you know, person that and then watching television, listening to music, watching movies, and all those things are fucking programming you all the entertainment in the entertainment industry is programming you with these false beliefs of like, what beautiful is what a good person is. They would have us believe a good person is a martyr. And I think that's why so many of us end up martyring ourselves. It's like, but that's not a good person. I I was under the belief a good person forgoes their own happiness and well-being to give and lend to the happiness of others. Mm -hmm. That's a martyr. That's not a good person. A good person tells the truth, does the right thing, and goes for what makes them happy so that the people around them can see and learn by example. You know, our parents aren't doing us any favors when they fucking martyr themselves for us, you know? And so uh, when I started to believe that, or when I started to realize everything I believe is a fucking lie, you know, I've been watching this TV my whole life, afraid to even be in my house without the TV on in the background. And, but when I left that abusive relationship, my hard drive had been reset. I was suddenly sensitive to subtle energies that I had no awareness of in, you know, for years. I remember feeling so many of the things I felt and experienced as a child and thought was true. And then, you know, you kind of come to not believe in it by the time you're 12 had all come back and like, oh shit, this is, this was always real. That's fucking psychotic. This is crazy. And so 
you know, once I realized the world that I live in is a lie and I started questioning every single belief and seeking the truth, like that was a game changer. So where was that uh, age wise and where, where, where is that? Was that a few years ago? Was that, that was, um, let's see, that was like 33, same age as Jesus when he got, <laughs> so you had the, the Jesus yeah, moment. I had the come to Jesus moment. Yeah. So that was 33, 32, 33. Yeah. But it all started off my 30th birthday after the first time that I had <laughs> intercourse with our friend Brendan. It was like, it like triggered something crazy in me. And, and, and then I was like, ah, this is weird. Like, this is scary. I'm afraid of intimacy. Uh, my cat, remember Chorley, rest yeah. in peace, yeah, dead right. now. Um, but Trammel C, her son still lives. She had kittens in the closet and I was so afraid one would die and I would have to, f no, I was even afraid of having to give them all away. Because I was so afraid of my feelings and so afraid of feeling sad. And I just lived in this, like, you know, numbed state where I would distract myself. I never wanted to feel a negative feeling when it would come up. I would flee from it as fast as possible. That's why I did drugs all my life. I did, nobody taught me how to deal with that shit. Did they teach you? No. Yeah. No, no. Uh, yeah, you, I, you didn't have any tools. I mean, no tools. Uh, check out, uh, let's see. Run. Watch, run. run. <laughs> I think Sex, one. drugs, run, rock run. and roll, you know, TV, run. movies, gambling, if you're really crazed, like, you know, whatever. Uh, driving fast, making fights with other people. I would do anything to keep from feeling these feelings. And when you run from the feelings, nobody teaches you this shit in school. I wish they would. But when you run, you flee from the feelings. The feelings don't go anywhere. Your feelings are just these, like, you know, indigent uh, spirits that are just, like, passing through you. They only want to be validated by you feeling them and saying, oh, I'm right here with you now, like, I feel you sadness, like what have you come here to teach me? And then fucking you feel the feeling, maybe you shed a few tears, you write it about it, write it down. Or if you're me, you write a song about it. And in so doing, the crying, the writing, the writing a song, you transmute that feeling and it goes the fuck away. But nobody tells you that. So I spent my whole life running from all those feelings and amassing an entire like blue whale's hump worth of negative negative emotions in my body and I had fibromyalgia I had scoliosis I was plagued with chronic pain because I wouldn't feel the pain that was already there and oh you know life gives you two chances to do things the easy way your way but if you fail to uh do it when you have the chance, then it gives you the its way, the hard way, the shortest distance between point A and point B. And since I wouldn't get uh, current with any of those feelings, you know, when I was with Robert, we ended up having a baby, and our baby died at 17 days old. Mm. And when that happened, all the feelings that had been in there for so long, and these, these new ones, although they say that there are no new feelings, it all goes back to some original childhood wound that keeps trying to be validated. But uh, you can't, I couldn't run from the feelings anymore. I would get like 98% of the day after my son died, I would be in this like 
kind of really pleasant trauma vortex. I feel like I'm back there now with the whole COVID thing, to be honest, in a, in a shittier version. But I would be totally in this, like, sort of, like, wonderland of, like, wow, like, you know, I just delved into my creativity because that's the way I deal with everything, like, make something and create it in, in a whole new way that I had never had created in before. Like, you know, the sticks from the backyard and I'd make a praying mantis sculpture, like, whatever I could do. And it was great. It was cathartic. But then something would trigger the memory of the reality of the fact that my son had just died. And boom, I'd hit a wall and just start crying. Mm. And that's when I lo learned to love crying because I noticed as soon as I would get done with a weeping jag, oh, my God, I felt so much better. And it, I, it clears your energy field of all that pent up, like that pain in your chest of sadness. Like I know people who aren't subtle energy conscious and they go to the hospital over the, those feelings. Like, cause it becomes a physical sensation in the heart. And uh, I tell you this much, this COVID shit, <laughs> this is a heart chakra uh, blockage based sickness as evidenced by it takes place in in the lungs right mm -hmm. people feel like they can't breathe and your heart chakra governs over the lungs so if you have an insufficiency of love which we all do love is starting to become a thing of the past you know as this narcissism epidemic takes hold and uh we're all love deficient and so if you're blocking your heart like two friends of mine they got kovic mm. unlike everyone else i actually went to them because i was like i gotta know what the fuck is up with this kovic shit not to try to catch it or nothing but um i brought my dowsing rods and i measured their chakras and all of their chakras were chill except for their heart chakra which showed me they're accepting all the love in but they're only giving out about 50% of the capacity mm -hmm. of their heart. And I was like, let me guess, you're just giving the love to the Democrats and not the Republicans. Uh, they're like lib liberals or whatever. I don't practice politics personally because I know that it's all fake. But uh, they both had COVID. And I go, there you go. I was right. Heart chakra blockage. So are, are, they, are they, do they still have COVID? Is it? They're I, fine now, just like everyone else I've known who has it. Yeah, because I had a friend, uh, I think it's a guy named Sean. He had it, and it's gone, and he said he had no symptoms. But, yeah. you know, it's yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, it is crazy, because if anyone stops and thinks about what's going on, this makes no fucking sense, what they're doing. And if anybody w had a meth phase and fell down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theory, I learned about all this shit six years ago. I had it since excused it as some sort of meth psychosis, to be honest. And now I'm just like, whoa, like I just got two years back in AA and all the shit that I learned about is happening in front of my face. The pandemic they warned of, the race war they said would happen. Next, prepare for a false alien invasion, Farley, because that's what's next. <laughs> Fuck. So back to uh, one thing I, I, I really liked what you said was crying is a very... Mm. Now, who taught you that it was okay? Was that something you learned from yourself? Because I had a great acting teacher that was just like, I cry every day. It's like, you got it. You got to let... If you don't let things out, yeah. it will come up in other ways. Yeah. You got it. You got to cry. You got to get angry. You have to go yes. through all these emotions 
And I think that's why people get sick. They're I know holding that's why. all this stuff in yep. and it's like, and it's going to come out somewhere. Exactly. If you don't express it willingly, your body will express it in another way. And for some people, you they can't cry. I, I sometimes can't cry and I want to. Uh, I could feel it building up for like 24 hours. And mm-hmm. then I went to Stories, the books and cafe and Laura who I'm sure you know who works there Mm -hmm. she said she told me I had to wear a mask she goes sorry Annie I love you but you got to wear a mask and I was like all right and that did it that was all I needed to push me over the edge I went I was having a fight with my guy that I'm dating and I went to the car and I just started to scream weep and I was like yes sometimes I start crying and I'm so happy I started crying that it makes me too happy then to cry. And I'm like, no, I just had it, you know, and it slipped out of my hands. But crying is the best. Nobody taught me I could do that. Mm-hmm. And then one day, I just, I gave so much of a fuck what everyone else was feeling and how they were doing for so long. And then I like snapped. And now I don't give a fuck because those motherfuckers don't give a fuck how I'm feeling, you know? And and if they want me to be miserable because they're happier that way, then fuck those people anyway. And if they only love me because of the Hannah Montana self that I present to them because I think that's who they want me to be, mm-hmm. then they don't fucking love me anyway, yeah. you know? And I was being inauthentic for so long. And now it's just like, okay, this is me. I'm too autistic at this point to act any way you know because i felt i i see what happens when you people please to an extreme you end up in rancho cucamonga with some fucking translucent ghoul who doesn't give a fuck about you and spending all your money and fucking gaslighting you verbally abusing you the worst way in the way where you're like is this fucking asshole abusing me i can't even tell you know the cold super covert ambient abuse ambient not ambient (laughs) although i have taken a few ambient eaten an entire pizza woken up forgot all about it in my day but you know that's where it gets you it gets you into a a, you know life showed me what happens i had two chances to fix it and that's what happens when you don't keep a fucking keep yourself grounded in truth and honor and like honoring your own feelings and you put some other person's what they want before your shit you can't do that i mean you can't be selfish and only go like this is all about me no it's all about all of us but in order for all of us to thrive like i need to stay balanced and grounded and put my own spiritual practice and whatever you know physical world shit i gotta do to keep myself remembering that i'm just like a spiritual being here having a human experience and uh you gotta fucking stay connected to that all loving uh energy of creation that created me and helps me create other creative things so how how did so did you have a friend that that kind of got you on this path or and no. I, <laughs> I wish or did, I did. Did, you, did you read a book how how did you uh, was it the internet how did it was the internet it was okay well i had that girl who gave me the accidental reiki attunement right she was kind of helpful shout out to jana she was mm-hmm. uh, dating charlie sheen at the time i mean it's not your ideal reiki master is some like woman who's like dating a uh, chomo with aids you know uh crackhead and is a hooker but it's i feel like it's a very annie hardy like 
place to receive powers from. And then uh, after that, on YouTube, there's a spiritual guru teacher lady named Teal Swan. And she, I remember I was on the Giant Drag Farewell Tour. And it was like a week after me and Brandon had like, he had broken up with me. And I experienced for the first time in my life, because I dated uh, exclusively all narcissists until Mm -hmm. Brandon. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he was such an angel, of course, that I assumed the role of narcissist. And he had broken up with me. And he said, you know, there's nothing in this relationship for me. And I was like, whoa, that is fucking harsh. And I lost my mind because I actually was in love with someone like in a real way, not in an addictive narcissist thing. And I had lost something and I was losing my shit. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me, to be honest, because it showed me like, look, people don't martyr themselves for a relationship. Like if there's nothing in it for them then they fucking leave. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. I didn't know that that is possible. And so, like, I was on this giant drag farewell tour. I was in a state beyond comprehension by... Yeah, I was in so much pain, and I was seeking. Every time I'm in a lot of pain, I start seeking. And I turn to the internet, and I found this Teal Swan video on my YouTube suggesteds. And it was like, how to open your third eye, I think was the first one I watched. And I did that. And then it just led me down this rabbit hole. And she's like, she's really great. Like, some people think she's a little 666. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, she probably is. <laughs> but, you know, I was in my 666 place. And I just, you know, I just let spirit guide me. I started to recognize how the spirit realm communicated with me, which was like my suggested YouTube videos would always be so eerily on point that it would freak out other people who would be hanging out with me. And then like, you know, I I don't know, it's hard, but I started just like seeking that closer relationship with the spirit realm, letting it inform me and, you know, just synchronicities abounded and I started learning about twin flames and all these fucking new age things and uh, spiritual things and that shit brought me so much relief from the mundane pain-filled reality I'd been living in. So where are you today? Like where are are you in a good place? Do you feel like you have more? I mean, there's always more to learn. You don't you know, there's no, right. you never you, stop learning. Yeah. There's you no die. plateau. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, is, is today as exciting as back then, as far as like the mystery being revealed to me one day at a time? No. You know, uh, I was also on drugs at that time, admittedly. And, you know, t- a little over two years ago, I made my way back to AA. I, you know, in AA, they say, uh, that the program will rocket you to the fifth dimension. Mm-hmm. I was already in the ninth dimension, so I had to, you know, take the elevator da- back down to the fifth, at times fourth. But like um, now today, I'm I'm balanced, a lot more balanced. I'm not like, you know, I'm not. I'm good today. You know, today and most days, I'm good. Uh, I have develop some manner of an emotional maturity that I didn't have up until just a few years ago. I guess when my baby died was when I really started to get current on pain. And after I 
I feel like I cleaned out the cellar, you know? Yeah. And I feel like it takes a fucking lot to rock me and to throw me off center these days. But, you know, recently uh, something did, you know, I started dating somebody in the beginning of COVID and it, it was like a sort of like Brendan type thing. Like, oh shit, this is something to lose. Yeah. And that scared me. I was like, I fucked this up last time. And I like... You know, I kind of stopped sleeping at night for a minute. I was like, like full of fear. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot to put the fear. Like the only thing I fear is like having to get a job, you know, like, come on. I've been through the worst that life has to offer. Everything else is a cakewalk. But this, like the fear that I'm going to do something stupid and fuck everything up again. And then I got to live through like a decade more of narcissistic, dark triad, you know, Machiavellian motherfuckers, you know. That freaked me out because I've been known to fucking screw the pooch. So, I I, I met your new guy and I think mm-hmm. he's he's a, he seemed amazing. He yeah. he was so kind and he connected with me and he's I I mean I got a great vibe from him. He seems like a really top notch guy. Yeah, and totally. very they're very calm. There's just like this calmness yeah. about him. Yeah, it's almost unnerving. <laughs> Just kidding. No, yeah. And, you know, and so naturally I, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop for a minute. And then I was like, I'm in the other shoe. I'm going to I'm gonna drop this shoe. And now I'm just like, you know what? It's fine. Whatever happens, it's going to be fine because it's always been fine. You know? Well, I, and I, th- I think right now with COVID, I know this is so cliche, but I, I feel like for me, it's one day at a time. Sometimes it's yeah. just getting in your car and going to the store. It's just going to the store. And I think that's where I am in, in this COVID thing. Like, I'm not trying to think tomorrow. I'm not, right. I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to, what I'm going to do next. I am, I, I have no plans. I'm yeah, not sitting there going like, you oh. can't have plans. Right. I, I, and, and, you know, there's something kind of comforting about that, about just going, I, I don't know. Yeah. The I don't know thing. I, I don't know. Yeah, because nope. we've never known anyway. We have the, the false, like, assumption that we're in control, mm-hmm. whether it's, like, of our lives or, like, you know, people who watch a lot of TV, they think they're in control of, like, the information they receive because they choose the channel. Mm-hmm. But all we have been doing is choosing the channel. And it's like, we've never been in control. This has always been fucking God shit, you know? God's in control. He's always been in control. And this is a, an exercise of radical acceptance on a daily basis because what I want is not possible all the time Mm -hmm. and the more i resist the way it is the more i suffer all human suffering is a result of resisting the way things are because you think or you would prefer that it was this way i know that it's supposed to be this way it doesn't matter what you think you know the truth is this is how it is and however it's going to be that's how it's going to be and how you feel about it it doesn't matter millennials you know these little millennials and Gen Z motherfuckers, they got the wrong idea. I don't know what their parents did that ours didn't do or vice versa. But these little fuck asses, they think their emotions are reality and their feelings are real. Mm-hmm. Feelings are real. Science is real. You know, water is life. All I hear is insanity out there in the world. And so, look, this is going to sound like some crazy Christian shit, but take it as it, at face value, this world is run. Uh, there's a, f- a battle between 
the forces of darkness and light. And I wish that wasn't true. I wish this was like a cakewalk nothingness. We're on a rock, we die, and we turn to dust. Atheists. But that's not real. You know, the reality here, unfortunately, is that, you know, there's a battle between the powers of good, the powers of evil, on a spiritual level, that's, that's always being waged. And when we are in a place of fear or anger or whatever negative low vibrational thought patterns that we get stuck in, we're powering the underground of hell. Mm. When we are focused on gratitude, faith, love, those high vibrational things that the TV doesn't teach you to be stuck in, then we're sending a power up to all the angels. Now look at the world. Our entertainment industry it kind of like fills us with these fake beliefs that like only smart people, you know, feel, feel depressed. Happy people are stupid and that's why they're fucking happy. Mm -hmm. That's not the truth. Happy people are happy because they have strong inner like thought landscape that, that is positive and you can change that. You have to become aware of all the thoughts in there. Mine always were snap too negative. Mm -hmm. And I, ended up doing cognitive behavioral therapy on myself on accident by like when I experienced something out of the norm for me which was that energy healing thing I was like fuck I don't know anything and so I gave myself room to change my beliefs unfortunately adult humans can only do that when they're in a state of trauma luckily we're all in a state of trauma right now because of covid whether we realize it or not we're all having trouble remembering stuff our memories are a little weird you know our sense of reality is being fucked with we're in a trauma vortex of like permanent state and when you're in trauma when you're traumatized the neuroplasticity in your brain creates an opportunity for changing these fucked up beliefs that this fucked up evil cabal that runs the world has imprinted upon us and when we change those beliefs we change our reality because we create our reality with our beliefs and the evil cabal knows that but we don't because they don't want us to know I, I'm following. I, yeah, wow. It, this, this makes me think that all those problems or all those things that you're put in is you're there to learn a lesson. Mm -hmm. And if you escape through drugs, alcohol, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever you want to put, it, then you don't learn that lesson. So then you got to go through it again. Exactly. And it could be a medical thing. It could be a relationship thing. Mm -hmm. It could be a financial thing. It could mm -hmm. be, I don't know. You put whatever. Yeah. And 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 if you're not willing, it's like I know, it's, it, like that whole thing. Like you got to go through it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think I'm going to avoid it or it's like, it's like a hurricane coming yeah. and you just, you got to ride, you got to go through the hurricane yep. and it, it's coming and it's, you know, you can't go, well, I'm just going to go and watch TV and go on the internet and, and you get, then your house blows mm -hmm. down. Yeah. I feel like this COVID thing is, we all were avoiding so many of our emotions for so long and now we're all displaced from our lives. We're a lot of us are forced to stay home, to hashtag just stay home, <laughs> and face this shit that's been fucking percolating in there. We got some black tar coffee that we got to take a, you know, feisty sip of right now. And just like, and people don't know when you lean into the feeling and you just feel it uh, and you ask, you can ask it questions. You know, Teal Swan has something called... Uh, 
what fuck what is it called it's like the completion process it's mm-hmm. called and where you just sit there with the feeling you breathe you you describe the feeling like what color is it where in your body is it you know what texture is it and then you you say to your uh to your consciousness what was the first time I felt this feeling? And it sort of delivers up to you this little home movie of you when you're a super young kid and, and your mom, say you're, you ask your mom for some juice and uh, she's poor, so she don't have any money. And, and the answer is no, she looks visibly upset. Since you're three and stupid as can be, you're like asking for my needs to be met hurts other people because mm. you're three you don't understand what's going on behind the scenes in your mom's head and so from there you learn to be this sort of self-contained i'll do it myself as like person who can't ask other people for help who's a people pleaser but like when in their hour of need is just like ooh, you know and all because of your misinterpretation of one exchange that happened when you're three and your whole life is sort of lived around it. And there's a handful of those inside of each of us, but each time a pain comes up, it's traced back to one of five moments like that for me. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, you just brought down some really heavy stuff because it, it, that kind of, I feel like in the, that describes a lot of, of my life and yeah. and afraid to ask for help or afraid to tell someone what's really going on because right. you think if I tell this person what's really going on, maybe they don't, won't like me. Maybe I have to keep this facade of everything's great or yeah. I have this great life. And if I just tell someone, Hey, you know, I'm really, I'm really bumming. I'm really struggling. You know, I've had some great people in my life like you and, and Brendan and we, and that I've told, Hey, this is what's going on with me. And they've really helped me. But then on the other, on the flip side, I've had people I've told and it's, and they don't ever talk to you again, or exactly. they are they like they write you off. They write yeah. you off because emotions are a burden to them, and like yeah, I've been, I've been there too. I, I think the cool thing is is when I think when someone tells you what's really going on with them, that is like one of the biggest gifts you can get from another person. Exactly, and when we don't tell other people, we don't give people the opportunity to be there for us, which is a gift. For them, you mm-hmm. know, as it is for us, mm-hmm. like because being of service is our purpose here in life. There's two things that we're all put here to do, and it's to be creative, to speak our truth through our creativity, however that manifests, be it art, you know, music, drawing, fucking making sculptures of your own shit. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Like you are here to create. You're made in the image of the creator who, guess what he did? He created. And so you're supposed to create and everyone's creative, even though they may or may not believe it, whether you're meant to do a podcast, write a book, fucking, you know, make, you know, sculptures of your own shit. It doesn't matter. You are meant to speak your truth in whatever way creativity manifests for you. And then the other purpose, that we're here for is to love and be loved and to be of service to our fellow man. And that's it. And it's really easy. But if everyone kind of forgets about love and because you can't serve two masters, all there is is love and fear. And if you kind of boil it all down, you know, hate is not the opposite of love. Fear is the opposite of love. So all your decisions are either based in love or they're based in fear driven by love, driven by fear. Anything driven by fear is going to have negative results. 
anything driven by love is going to yield positive results. Love is starting to fucking not be a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's at least not a thing like it used to be already. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, I chalk it up to some fucking tribulation end time shit. Well, I, and I think another thing is when, when you're in fear, that's when you're afraid there's not enough for everyone. When right. you're in fear, you start thinking, you start thinking crazy thoughts that are, but, but when you're in faith and when you're like, you know what, I'm, it's better not to do anything. I'm just going to, I'm just going to try to help another person. I'm just going to try to, to not live in that, that space. And yeah. Things seem to work out. I mean, that's they been my experience. Work out. That, that's been my experience. And, but you know, when you hold on to that fear, or you, or that becomes your identity, or that's all you mm-hmm. talk about. That's all you, you know. It just seems like, oh, you okay? Well, that that's the room you want to live in, and you you'll just keep getting more of it, or you'll yeah. just keep getting. You know, you have to like walk out of that room, uh, yeah. metaphorically, and say, you know what? I can't. That will take care of itself. And yeah, and it because think about it. Life has always, God has, God or life, whatever the fuck you want to call it, has always taken care of you. It's like that one story, like, oh, this guy got a horse. That was great. And then he, he was riding the horse. He fell off. He broke his leg. That was bad. He had to go to the hospital. And then he met the love of his life. And that was great. And then they got, you know, it's right. like there is no, no good or bad. Um, I practice pronoia which is like the positive version of paranoia but it's the belief that the world conspires and god and the universe conspires in my favor because it really does and i think that's all of our truths whether or not we want to believe it like everything in the universe is happening for me not against me you know not because of me especially um but everything conspires in my favor and it does. And, uh, yeah, I agree. And uh, another point, people have come into my life that are like, why did they come into my life? Right. They're so horrible. Teachers. I, they're teachers. That's yeah. like, and if you, like this person's a lesson, uh, doesn't mean you have to live with the lesson or, exactly. <laughs> or you don't have to sleep with the you lesson. You don't have to marry the <laughs> lesson <laughs> in a couple months. Right, right. <laughs> you just have to... No, okay, why is this person pushing my buttons? Why yeah. is this person, uh, why are we having these conversations? There's a reason why this is happening. And, right. And if you don't pay attention or you, whatever, uh, you know, that whole thing, if you don't live in the moment, then, then you know, and you might get rid of that person, but you didn't learn that. Whatever. And you get a new person right, that's even worse one. than that <laughs> last one. Yeah, you do. You know, that person comes to teach you fucking like for me, I had a lot of people that came to teach me like, bro, like I undervalue myself. Like I, I must think I'm a piece of shit. I actually project my positive traits onto people that don't have it because I became, I don't know what happened to me, but you know, all my shit got fucked up even more than it already was. And I started like having this really, Oh, I know what happened. Narcissistic abuse, the same thing that always happens. Um, but it made me start to have these negative self-beliefs and so when we have a shadow aspect which is a part of us that we don't acknowledge which is usually you'll see in the world a lot right now uh, all these 
like narcissistic women doing this call-out culture thing on men. Mm. And um, I'm not saying, oh, these women who haven't been raped. I'm saying not all of them are, are, are sexual assaults, uh, accusations, but there's a, there's a subculture of women who are canceling people because the guy didn't act the way that they wanted them to. And, and you can't really talk on this topic, you know, because you'll be called a rape uh, enthusiast or whatever. And You're trying to get me canceled already. <laughs> no. I, I just <laughs> Farley thinks that they're all very real and legit. Don't worry, ladies. But me, Annie Hardy, personally, I think some of them, you know, it's on a case-to-case basis. I think rape's terrible. Fucking please don't rape anyone. Mm-hmm. But, like, these people who are like, I seen one from the art world that just said this guy had had a one-hour conversation over Facebook Messenger one time several years ago and then never talked to me again and i wonder what your intentions were and it's like is this fucking real like you're a narcissist and fucking shut up who like why would you seek to just cancel somebody just because whatever whatever but anyway if you're hiding from yourself your own like negative qualities you start to see them out in the world and Mm. you see them in everyone and uh Anytime you see that, see, like, oh, this person's a fucking whatever. This person's a, that same thing. Like, you know, that's actually you. And so, but it works on the flip side. Like, I know a lot of really sweet people. You probably might be this way too. These sweet angels who have these positive traits that they they don't, you know, good people are the ones who always think they're the bad people. Mm-hmm. And so they project their goodness out on to these people that aren't really the good people, you know, that might not have their same capacity for compassion and empathy and might actually be like kind of human pieces of trash sometimes. And you project your own shadow positive qualities and that gets you into just as much trouble, you know. We're all, none of us are good or bad. We have light in us. We have dark in us. And our fear of what is in there is what keeps us kind of stuck learning these fucked up ass lessons about ourselves <laughs> when God uses other people to teach them to us. So I feel like I learned enough lessons to where I got cut some fucking slack for once and like, like, I yeah, and I get to like for a minute be with somebody who's a reflection of my own goodness, I guess. Till I ruin everything when he finds out I'm a secret prostitute at after hours at night. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Annie and her double triple life. Yeah, my double triple glory hole life. I wonder how people who used to frequent the glory holes, like the bullet bar around the corner, the bear bar mm-hmm. for bears and twinks, how they must be handling COVID. Like, is there like off, you know, off the main drag glory holes that are p- cropping up everywhere? There's I, no Craigslist anymore. So how could this be? <laughs> well, I, I even think like, are, I mean, is prostitution still happening over COVID? I mean, right. It's, uh, or do you just stick with a clientele that you know well? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in, in in their core, 
all of us know that this COVID shit's not real. As fear is sometimes known, false emotions appearing real. Fear is always an illusion. It's always this demonic hologram that's being cast on us. And when you're just walking around, your brain, your thinking mind's turned off, you know, I walk out of here without a mask because I forget that there's a fucking pandemic taking place out here and that I have to cover my face even though anyone I know who's had COVID says it's nothing but a flu and they've all recovered. I know that's not always the case. If someone has a pre-existing condition, you know, they're just as likely to die of COVID as they are of catching a flu, a bad flu. Was this one manufactured by our government? Is it the combination of SARS, MERS, and AIDS? I don't know. It could be. I saw an Instagram story that said so. But it doesn't even matter what the truth is at this point. It's I, like the truth is different for everyone depending on your Instagram feed. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny how people, I don't know who it was, they were kind of trying to compare COVID to, to HIV and AIDS. I'm like, uh, you, you have to, supposedly yeah. COVID, you have to, it's by, you have to walk by that person. Uh, HIV, you have to, you have to really get intimate with someone. Yeah, or at least <laughs> you, share a needle with them. Right, or you have to, there, there's more going on than... I just walked, you know, I walked by you at the at the Seven Eleven. You got to walk by at the Seven Eleven with your pants around your ankles and your butthole open, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> catching a load. But I have heard that it was uh, the mixture of SARS, MERS, MERS, and AIDS, which mm. is weird because I just thought MERS was a rapper, but I guess it's a disease too. Oh man! All I know is my blood type. And all RH negative blood types, which are the blood types that end in negative, you know. Well, you're RH negative? I sure am, yeah. Oh, you know, my mom was RH negative. Oh, then you're probably RH negative, if, yeah. if not RH negative recessive. So congrats, because you're at least seven times less likely to catch not only HIV AIDS, but COVID or any virus, because that, um, okay, so RH positive blood, which is 75% of the human race, A positive, B positive, AB positive, and O positive, they're all iron-based blood types. And our blood types, RH negative, which is A negative, B negative, AB negative, and O negative, are copper-based. So copper is a natural antiviral antimicrobial. People who, during the Black Plague, worked in like factories where they um, made stuff with copper and they just like inhaled a lot of it or had it on their hands those people are the ones that did not catch the black plague because copper that's why our pipes are made of copper mm. you know uh i don't know that that's why tweakers love to steal copper but i think that's it's got it's a conductor a high conductor of piezo electric energy as well so rh negative people have a lot of we can affect electronics around us my phones have never worked properly. Like my gadgets and shit, I have technical impossibilities befall me every time I go in the studio. Like I've never seen Pro Tools do this before. The lady at the register, I've never seen it do this before is the thing I've heard over and over my whole life. And so, yeah, it's a hard knock life. But also every American president and the royal family, all RH negatives. Uh, and did you know I was in an incubator for... Nine months before I came home. Holy shit! And I had to. I had braces on my legs. I had to learn. I was uh, what the. Uh, my development was very, very slow. Very slow development. Did you almost die, or you just were like a premature 
I, I yeah, I was premature. Um, yes, there were. I had breathing issues, and uh, you know, my parents always called me the miracle baby. I yeah. mean, there and but you know, I had. Uh, I remember I'd have to go to YMCA, and I would learn. I had. I would get in the pool, and they would, they would have like a ball, and I'd have to. I had a hard time just like grabbing things and pulling them. I mean, and I would just do these and right. like, you got to do it over and over again. And like, and then they would have me walk and cause my, I just, I, my development was just, you've it was been in the spirit realm since childhood. <laughs> this makes sense. And it would make sense why you've, if you've struggled with depression, anxiety, it's like, and this is go, This is the case for probably a lot of people that will be a vibrational match to listening to this very podcast. It's like, if you do, I wish we knew your blood type. What's your astrological sign? Uh, was born April 8th, uh, Aries. Aries, nice. Um, so, like, you're, all of us are spiritual beings having a physical experience here. And some of us are angelic spirits in human bodies. Some of us are angel-human hybrid beings if we are RH-negatives. You know, an RH-negative woman, like if your mom got pregnant by an RH-positive man, like, that's oh my god that's probably what had happened to you because do you know what your dad's blood type is i don't okay so there's this thing that if you're an rh negative woman and you get pregnant by rh positive man uh you have to take this thing called the rogam shot or your body attacks uh, your immune system attacks the baby because it's an intruder you know Mm. it's a different blood type uh i like to think of it as god made it so because the rh negative man can get an rh positive woman pregnant there's no harm no foul but if a rh negative woman gets pregnant with the rh positive man god said the angels can get humans pregnant but if a a uh, wait if a human gets an angel pregnant that's some fucked up shit we can't have that <laughs> so i'm gonna put an abortion machine directly in all my angel human hybrid women and it'll just you know the first baby may survive but the second one is not likely to so they developed this thing called the rogam shot for all the rh negative women to take but you're a little bit older than when they started making it a norm thing yeah so that's i bet your dad's rh positive i bet you any well i might have when we get done with this i'm i might have a blood type test around here because i've done like a hundred of my friends's blood types uh before and it's immediate gives you immediate result you prick the finger with a little spring-loaded needle thing and rub the blood on several things and i think that your blood type really tells a lot about who you are you know um you know regardless of what the blood type is i've been studying this topic for several years now ever since i had an airbnb guest named jamie who came here and she told me about it and and then she's like i bet you're rh negative and i'm like i am actually i found out when i was pregnant at the hospital what i didn't remember is that robert was rh positive so mm-hmm. that and i just found this out during covid lockdown because he had two uh, previous children with two different women and um, one of whom is also RH negative and had to take the Rogam shot. And I did a home birth, so I didn't take the Rogam, Rogam shot. And that could have been why my baby died. And I just figured it out during COVID. And I also just figured out my parents' blood types. I took their test. My mom's A negative, my dad's AB negative. Uh-huh. Life makes more sense now. That's- 
I guess, <laughs> and less sense than ever. But like, just knowing that, like, okay, so if you're RH negative, it's like you're a spiritual portal of a human being and crazy shit happens to you. The worst things in life tend to happen to you and grave illnesses, you know, um, Remember Megan Edwards mm -hmm. falling off the roof, breaking her back? She's A negative. There you go right there. Like the RH negative people I know, they've had some of the most difficult lives. And it's like it's like we have an uh, entire legion of darkness in opposition to us uh, carrying out our divine life purpose. And uh, it ain't easy. But... You know, we can also, on the flip side, have the most extreme, like, luck and, like, angelic forces that are fighting on our behalf. And there are angels out there, and you can call on those. Next time you lose your keys, just say out loud, angels, please help me find my keys. Or, like or, lightning. Or I can ask my girlfriend, Lisa, what, where are my keys? <laughs> yeah. She, she, she's an angel. She'll know. She'll be like, you left them where you usually leave them. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. One way or another, the <laughs> angels always come through for you, but you got to call on them. You got to ask for help, you know? Yes. Yeah. And it's hard to remember, but that's the best way you can start learning to receive and to ask for help and that there's no shame in needing and asking for help you don't have to manipulate people you know as it was always my mo like oh i'm gonna complain about this thing i need help with but i'm not going to a straightforward ask because i'm afraid you'll say no and then i'll feel shame you know now i can say hey will you help me Sometimes, honestly, sometimes I still manipulate to get my needs met. But, you know, whatever. Every day in every way, I get better and better. Do you still have your podcast? Is that still going? I do. Empath of Least Resistance. It's called on the Apple Store and on Spotify. Excellent. Excellent. I, I listened to one episode. I was blown away. I remember you were talking about living in that, in that little closet and how, mm. you know, you have to believe that you will succeed and and there's so many people that I'm trying, I can't remember everything you said but it was just I all I remember was I felt so good after listening to it because it was you re really saying was going for your dreams is it's like you just it's like going into a dark room with the flashlight and knowing you're going to get through yeah and knowing and and everyone else is like I can't believe they're doing that but you're mm -hmm. like I'm going for it yeah. And and that's how you get to the other side. Right. And I think some of you were like, okay, I'm going to play it safe or I'm going to put my my foot in the in the dark room and then they're like, I'm afraid. Okay, I'm going to go back to live with mom right, and dad. I'm right. going to go back to that relationship that's easy. I'm going to go yeah. back to stagnation in one form or another. Right, right. And and I think all those people who end up, you know, making great music and being in great bands, you know, making great art, they go they kind of they just jump and they go, mm -hmm. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Because you will be, no matter what. Yeah. We're always okay. Annie, I want to say thank you so much for being on, on my podcast. My and pleasure. Anything for you, Farley. And it means the world to me. I really feel like our friendship, you remind me of, of a sister I've always wanted and a friend I've always wanted. And, you know, many nights when I was struggling, you, you would talk to me and you always made me laugh and you always uh, really were always a kind friend. And I feel so honored to have you as a friend and to know you. And uh, is there anything you want to say? Anything you want to say uh, before we check out? So we 
oh, lead yeah. this podcast. Oh, thank you, by the way. And I love I love friends like you who years can go by and then we can run into each other or talk and it's like nothing happened. You know, you're not a narc, so you're not like, oh, they didn't text me back. It's like, sorry, bro, I was in a fucking mess psychosis or whatever was going on. That's true friendship. And uh, I'll always be there for you. And I appreciate your friendship. And uh, yeah, I want to just tell everybody that we're creating our reality with all of our thoughts and our focus where what we focus on we get more of it expands and grows so go out into the world spread love and not your butt cheeks <laughs> thank you annie thanks